0: Kane was
1: there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This thing, Monday Night Raw,
0: this life way! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome, folks, to what just might be the greatest episode ever of WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, June 18th, 2020. I am Graham G S M Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. I don't know if it's going to be the greatest episode ever, considering I just messed up the intro twice, and Mr. Marceau was uh, here to witness it, and hear every single second of me botching the intro to the show. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio, as always. How are you? I'm
1: doing wonderful today, G S M. I'm doing <laughs> great.
0: Catching some rays, no pun intended, of sunshine before the show. How did that go?
1: It was good, it's a very nice day out here in Massachusetts, nice 80 degrees, and a good UV index, get some uh, get some pain on the skin a little bit.
0: Kid <laughs> had a very relaxing afternoon between catching the rays of sunshine, catching up on some cornet. not a bad day if I if I do say so myself.
1: No, it's great day, I only had to work till one today, it's perfect.
0: Hey, and you get the day off on Friday, no complaints there either.
1: No complaints there.
0: So you caught backlash, not live, but was that on your own volition, you had nothing going on, you just didn't want to watch it live, is that true?
1: Yeah, I just didn't watch it live, and and the race, actually, the race was supposed to be at 3, but then it ran late, so it actually didn't go until around 11, so oh my God. it kind of worked out that I just didn't watch it, but I was planning on watching on on, on uh, Monday anyways.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I know the race was on. I didn't catch that one. I was I didn't have it on that day. I think it was maybe Wednesday, I want to say, that Alexis's dad had it on, who says by, hi, by the way. Alexis, that is. I got to shout her out. She wanted me to shout her out here on the show. Alexis said hi. But yeah, I think he was watching the race last Wednesday. How often are the yeah. races now?
1: They used to just be on Sundays, but now that they're trying to catch up, they've had a few on, on Wednesday nights. But I think from now on, they should all just be on Sunday like normal.
0: Okay, okay, very nice. So I'll have to tune into one uh, one of these days. They're going to be watching the race this upcoming Sunday with your dad on, on, on Papa Day, on uh, with Papa Morseau on Father's Day.
1: Come on, what
0: kind of questions that? <laughs> Amazing. Catch up on some old uh, Goldberg matches as well. That's, that's Sounds like the perfect day, in my opinion, for you and the uh, Papa Marceau. Yeah, Goldberg hasn't
1: been a good match in decades, but
0: yeah. <laughs> I watched, uh, in honor of Ultimate Warrior's birthday yesterday, Alexis and I watched some old Ultimate Warrior matches. And I, I'm sure you've never seen it, but we watched the uh, Warrior and Hogan, not from WrestleMania 6, which was a great match. They had a rematch at WCW Halloween Havoc. 1998, dude, it's so bad. They had a guy named like not nails. That was the WWE guy. I think it was Horace Hogan. Like, what you say, Horace Hogan?
1: I, I know what you're talking about. The match sucked, Iron.
0: It was terrible. It's one of the worst matches ever. Um, that was one of the worst matches ever, as Charlie Caruso would say. Um, I forgot. It was like maybe it was Horace. It was something like that. But <laughs> they showed a clip before the match. Of the NWO beating the shit out of some random dude. Because that's what they did back then, like literally every week. Got old after like a month. They were beating the crap out of some random dude. And that same dude ended up coming back out to help Hogan win. Despite the fact they just beat the shit out of him a week before. And then I think Tony Schiavone on commentary goes, Oh, he must have just proved himself to Hogan that he can get beat up. Or like some dumb shit. Like, oh, he was... um, what do they call it? Oh, he, he went through the hazing period or whatever. It's like, what? Like, typical WCW. Just amazing. Amazingly bad. And well worth watching just to see how bad it is. Um, but that was not what we got on Sunday. We had the greatest wrestling match ever, supposedly, according to WWE. At Backlash. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the Backlash... Um, Aftermath as well From Raw on Monday night Talk about the Latest episode Of the Undertaker The Last Ride documentary From Sunday Which you just caught up on Earlier today Mr. Marceau Very excited to be talking about that A little later on Before we go any further, though, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. New episodes of the show every single Thursday. Not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. We're all over the place. So be sure to check out WrestleRantRadio.com. Rate the show. Review the show. Subscribe to the show. And uh, no shortage of topics on today's show. In addition to Backlash and Raw and the Taker stuff... A um, ton of other news coming out in the last week. The news broke mere hours after I dropped the show last Thursday that going forward, WWE Raw will be written by none other than Bruce Pritchard. So um, the following statement was from WWE themselves last week. It said that in an effort to streamline our creative writing process for television, we have consolidated both teams from Raw and SmackDown into one group, Led by Bruce Pritchard. Paul Heyman will concentrate on his role as an in-ring performer. So before I go any further with this, RJ, I did talk a bit about it on Wednesday's hashtag AskGSM and how much I fucking hate the move, but before I go any more uh, in-depth with my thoughts on it, what was your instant reaction to the news last week?
1: I just was like, what the fuck? I don't have anything against Bruce Pritchard. I mean, obviously, don't know the guy, he's been in the industry for a while, so I feel like he kind of knows what's going on, but... I think it's more the fact that he's a yes man for Vince, and mm-hmm. Paul Heyman's more of a he won't, if it, Paul. I think Paul, like they like they say, Paul Heyman's one of those guys that like he'll die on his sword fighting for things. I think Bruce Pritchard he'll just say if he, if it doesn't get what he wants, he'll just say okay and just go on with it. And I, I mean, and that's not what we want. Like I think a lot of things on Raw that have been good, especially with the new guys that are being pushed. I think that is more of a Paul Heyman pushing of like a Paul Cruz and murphy and stuff like that and i just think now that bruce pritchard's running both shows it just it's gonna be a mess i feel like and i think eventually just end the brand split i feel like if he's running both shows at that point might as well just i feel like they'll just merge them back together
0: yeah I, i i can't see a scenario where this ensures that both shows will you know maintain their own identity which some will argue that they don't have as it is but I will say, I don't know, they have different theme songs. The, the commentary table, when we don't have, a, when we aren't in the middle of a fucking pandemic, they're in different places, different stars on each show. You and I have been down this road a million times, Mr. Marceau. When I ask you about how, if I see Roman Reigns on Raw, why the fuck would I want to watch him on SmackDown? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. I know that's how it was for a long time after the brand split ended in like 2011, 2012, 2013, whatever it was. You know, you would see the same people on both shows. I can't say that overall my interest in the product really heightened. And I mean, it's really a personal thing for a lot of people. Um, I see a lot of people that hate the brand split. Other people don't like it. For me, and I I, I may be able to say the same for you, I'll ask you in a second, but I just don't like the idea of people appearing in both shows. The wild card rolls a bust. Um, You know, I remember the days that you and I would watch Raw and SmackDown together four or five years ago. And Roman Reigns would be the League of Nations on Raw before doing the same thing on SmackDown three days later. Like that accomplishes nothing. It overexposes people, and it just doesn't make. You know, if, if I watch Raw and that's a good show, what's you know, and it's not a good show. Um, what's saying that SmackDown is going to be any different if it's written by the exact same guy? So, would you be in the same camp that a brand split, which I know is kind of a separate question, but uh, kind of <laughs> off topic, would you argue that a brand split is better for the product than not having a brand split? I would
1: say so. I mean, I grew up in the in the beginning of the ruthless aggression era, and they had their own shows, own identity, and I felt like it made Raw SmackDown worth watching for its own separate things. I mean, like you said, when Roman Reigns is on Raw, why the fuck would I want on SmackDown? It's like going to be the same exact shit and the same people, and then you get no one else over. Just I think the brand split's good, just for not overexposing people and just building up new stars. I think. Like you said, when Roman Reigns on Raw and SmackDown, it just takes away even more time for other people. And that's not including the other people they have on Raw and SmackDown that are just featured all the time. So I, I, I think it ha- to, to build the company up and build new stars, you need the brand split. But um, with the same guy writing the same show, like you said, if they're going to merge the shows, it's going to be basically what you just said. Roman Reigns beats Sheamus on Raw, he'll beat fucking Wade Barrett on SmackDown. Like, who gives a shit?
0: That's the issue. It's not as if Paul Heyman, who... I'll ask you this, actually, before we go any further. Do you think Paul Heyman writing Raw over the last year... Not that Raw's the greatest it's ever been in the last year, but would you say it's overall been a positive or a negative for the show since he took over in June of
1: 2019? Um, I mean, I think it's... I wouldn't say it was... Either, I wouldn't say... I think it was kind of just the same. Like, did it have its good points? Yeah. But I think it also had its kind of dull times too and you're like is is Vince booking this again or like what's going on so I think it had it's positive but it also had it's negatives I think it, it is what it is I, I don't think he improved Raw by a lot but I don't think I, th- I would say it's just right in the middle I think I've enjoyed I think leading into WrestleMania I think Raw was really good but since Raw since WrestleMania it's kind of it's been kind of there
0: yeah no I agree I think the pandemic stuff doesn't really help um I mean, the, you know, no no fans doesn't help. Having the performers there serve as an audience is, is a help. Um, I've enjoyed Raw for the better part of the past year. I'm not going to sit here and say that Heyman has, you know, okay. saved Raw. It's the best it's ever been. Um, I do think the positives have outweighed the negatives in the sense that I'm not going to sit here and say again that every angle this guy has done, that everything he touches turns to the gold because it doesn't. And I'm sure he is every bit as responsible for the dumb... Rusev, Lashley, Heyman. Uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, the Rusev Lana, um, Lashley crap as McMahon is. The same goes for the Canellas crap they were doing last year when they didn't know who Maria's babies was like whoever the uh, the father of her child was. That was dumb. The um, what else? There was something else I was gonna say too. The twenty four seven championship has been a complete joke. It was kind of entertaining early on, but ever since Heyman took over, it really hasn't served much of a purpose. Um, but they have focused on more people. I will say that Angel Garza's really gotten over McIntyre. I think was a Heyman call to have him go over at the Rumble because if it wasn't, why wouldn't Elsie have gotten a push earlier than he did? I mean, he wasn't being buried last year, but pre Heyman, he wasn't really anything special. I feel like that was a Heyman call. Um, they focused on a lot of other, you know, new faces as well. Becky Lynch kind of took over as the face of the Raw Women's Division for a while. So I would say Heyman has a, you know, and he's even said too that it's going to take upwards of eighteen months to build new stars. Just because Angel Garza is entertaining doesn't mean I'm going to tune in for just him and the ratings are going to improve. That's just doesn't how it works. I think the issue is that when you have a guy like Bruce Prichard, and again, I know it goes all the way back to if you have the same guy in charge, that being Vince McMahon, nothing will truly ever change until he's out of power. But if Heyman took over both shows, that's one thing. I would still complain like, "Uh, eh, you know, you you should have rep- separate writing teams." Because I don't really think you can have a true brand split if it's the same guy's vision on both shows. Um, but it's Bruce Pritchard, and you're a guy, RJ, who hasn't really, aside from recently, paid much attention to SmackDown. Right? You really haven't watched the show at all.
1: Yeah, I I usually click, for SmackDown I normally just click, like check out the YouTube highlights normally. Um, maybe maybe like if I'm bored and I have nothing on, I'll throw on it. I Usually tape it, but I don't normally watch it, but. Usually, unless it's something I, like a good match or something, I'll just watch the clips on YouTube.
0: It's a far cry from what it was, you know, three, four years ago, right when they brought back the brand split. It was a great show. You and I were bleeding blue. It's back to red. Actually, it's not red anymore. Our blood's probably back to gold uh, golden black if I'd have to uh, make a case there for NXT being the best show that they have. And even that's kind of lost its luster a little bit. That's a different, you know, argument for a different day. But, yeah, with SmackDown, it really has been deplorable for the better part of this Fox era... You would think they would put more effort into making the show better since they moved to Fridays on Fox. But the show, between the Roman and Corbin shit and everything else they've done since, you know, they moved to Fridays. Again, it's gotten better recently with AJ and Brian having a great match on Friday. Uh, the Mandy, Otis, Sonya, Dolph feud was really well done. Not everything is terrible, but I would say it's the opposite of Raw and where I mean, the negatives and the bad outweigh the good and the positives. So, Pritchard, you know, writing both shows is a negative in my opinion but you got to agree though as long as we have Vince in charge of the entire company it doesn't matter who is assigned to be the executive director blah 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 nothing will ever truly change right
1: yeah exactly yeah, unless once vince unless once vince is, is in charge it's it, it all runs under him i mean you could have 30 different people running the show it, it really comes down to him being the last word if he likes or doesn't like it so i mean Paul Heyman could have been coming up with all this good stuff and same with Bruce Pritchard, but if Vince doesn't like it, I mean, it's not going to air in his television show. It just it is what it is. So, um, hopefully soon, Vince will either just take a step down and put someone else take over. But I, I, I have a gut feeling that he'll he'll be running the show until he's basically dead.
0: <laughs> not even basically until he is literally dead. I, I assume he'll be still be writing Raw, holding meetings via Zoom on his deathbed in the hospital. I can only imagine. Um, But as far as Paul Heyman is concerned, um, again, they said back to being an in-ring performer. That kind of leads to my next question. What do you think the feature holds for not only Heyman, but Brock? We haven't seen Brock since WrestleMania. It seems like for the last five years that all they've had Brock do is be in a championship picture, really ever since he won the Universal Championship back in early 2017 when he's not going for one title he's going for the other title when he's not in the main event mix he takes time off for about a month or two and then he comes back it feels like this is the longest we've gone without Brock as a champion on a show because even last year he lost the Universal Championship he came back a month later at Money in the Bank and he won the Money in the Bank ladder match uh, when do you think we see Brock again and in what role who does he face what show does he show up on what does the future hold for Brock Lesnar and WWE
1: Honestly, at this point, I, I don't know. I, I, I would assume, I think it would be probably better to put him on SmackDown. Um, I mean, he's been on Raw for the past few years and just kind of taken over. He's like, basically faced everyone on Raw, so I, I would move him to SmackDown. I just Honestly, at this point, they haven't even hinted at him coming back anytime soon, so maybe he's one of the guys that has no, has no interest coming back during the pandemic, but, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I would put him back on SmackDown.
0: If he comes back at SummerSlam, for example, what is one match that you're still waiting to see from Brock? Is it a Matt Riddle match, who's on SmackDown now? Is it Bobby Lashley, who's on Raw? Um, Anyone else in in particular that you would like to see Brock work with at this stage of his career?
1: Um... Maybe Bray Wyatt as The Fiend. Besides that, I can't really think of anyone else besides, like you said, uh, Riddle or uh, Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley's kind of a given. Um... I mean, that's kind of a few people have been wanting for years and just never came to fruition, but they built up Bobby correctly. Um, I think that'd be a good money match, but yeah, I would say either either uh, Bobby or Bray.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Bray, maybe. They never really had a, a straightforward Bray and Lesnar match. They teased it for WrestleMania back in 2016 for 32, and they went in a different direction instead. And then they did, like, Bray. It was supposed to be Bray and Brock at, like, one of those... Um, you know, specials, roadblock shows, or whatever the hell it was, and then it turned into a handicap match, and Bray and Brock never had their match. I think Luke or Luke Harper was involved instead. Um, so, yeah, they could always do that as The Fiend, maybe, as long as The Fiend wins, but that's not, that's not a guarantee, obviously. But still, uh, maybe we'll see that at some point. Um, also in the news from WWE, in the last couple of days, this broke on Monday. Got the following email on Monday night. So this was from WWE's associate medical director... Dr. Jeffrey Dugas, or Dugas, something like that. And there's been more updates since then, but this was the initial update from WWE, their statement right before Raw went off the air on Monday night. It reads, A developmental talent who was last on site at WWE's training facility on Tuesday, June 9th, has tested positive for COVID-19. Since that time, no other individuals that attended the facility have reported symptoms. However, however, um, out of abundance... Out of an abundance of caution, excuse me, and to ensure the health and safety of the company's performers and staff, all talent, production crew, and employees, on-site at the training and production facilities will be tested for COVID-19 immediately. Following the test results, WWE plans to proceed with its normal television production schedule. So, in the two days since then, they were supposed to tape TV yesterday. They didn't. They saved it for today. And as a result of that, they were going to tape like, I think, next week's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live main event, and then, like, the next week's shows, too, or something like that. They were going to tape a shit ton of shows today. And I think they canceled the SmackDown taping. They taped Raw, but not SmackDown, um, because they are testing everyone, I believe. But the issue is that they like with the smackdown people like they may not have heard they they may they may not have gotten the results back from all the smackdown superstars and since there're not enough people on hand to tape a show they're waiting to record it or tape it until tomorrow so it's kind of a mess right now there have been other reports coming out that WWE doesn't want people wearing masks i don't know if that's a backstage thing or on tv i find that to be concerning um just because Again, I'm not a big mask person myself, we have our own thoughts on that, but I feel like if someone in the crowd, for one of those you know, one of those fans, for example, or family members, whoever those people were that were in the crowd on Raw this week, if they want to wear a mask, who gives a fuck, dude? If it doesn't look good on TV, who gives a shit? I mean, I really don't think that matters all that much. If they feel comfortable wearing a mask, then who cares? Um, it was also being said that before recently they weren't doing COVID tests, they were merely doing temperature checks, which... For the amount of people they're bringing in for these shows, for what they're doing, they probably should be doing COVID testing. If AEW is doing it, I see no reason why WWE can't. Uh, it, it's just a fucking mess right now. So what are your thoughts on the whole situation, Mr. Marceau? Someone testing positive, everyone else getting tested for it, them kind of being late to the party and testing people already. People may have had it two months ago and we just don't know. So what, what are your thoughts on the whole situation?
1: I mean, it's one of those things, like you said, If they should probably have been testing already, but... I mean, I feel like a lot of companies now are just doing the temperature checks. I'm assuming it's probably cheaper. So, I mean, it's kind of getting around doing it because, I mean, a temperature check doesn't really test if you actually have it or not. It just proves if you have a temperature or not. But, um, like I said, I'm not too surprised. I like I mean, if you're not testing these people, eventually someone's going to fall through the cracks. It just kind of is what it is at this point. I feel like that's it has been kind of happening recently more, especially with other sport leagues. More people are popping up being tested with COVID. I think it's people starting to get out a little bit more, maybe taking less on the safety precautions. Like last weekend I went out to dinner in Rhode Island and I mean, there's plenty of people that are sitting right next to each other with no mask on. I was like, well, what the hell is going on? Just because just it means they lighten up restrictions doesn't mean you just throw everything out the window about being mm-hmm. cautious. I mean, it's one of those things that we're wearing the mask. I mean, if they really that against it, like who gives a shit? If someone wants to wear the mask, let them. wear the mask. Like you said, it's kind of up there. If that's how they feel comfortable. Go for it. But I think it's one of those things that people are becoming. Once states are starting to loosen up their restrictions, more people are just being negligent, not even being more less cautious. They're just being just flat out stupid and not following any protocols at all now.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, again, I'm not saying that they should have the PC people wear mat like all of them wear masks like. I mean, if they're not COVID testing before recently, probably they may have, should have been. But, like, you can't really... What's the point of having an audience if you can't really hear them if they're wearing a mask? Like, I get that, but, again, like you said, if someone wants to wear it, I'm not even saying they should be relegating, You know, they should be forcing people to wear the masks. If people want to wear it because they want to, then who cares? Like, even the fans in the back, you know, like, they weren't, you know, you can't even really see them. The only time we saw them, and this is the best part, because someone reached out and said, you know, did you test the people that got brought in? I guess the talent didn't know about that, which is kind of not really surprising. It's odd, but it's also not surprising. They never really tell the talent much, I guess. They find out on the internet, like we all do. Um, but <laughs> They put out a statement that said oh, they have no interaction with the, with the performers anyway. So it's not really necessary. Literally, a day after, they have the fucking Street Profits out there, dude. Interacting with the fans and like shaking their hands and shit. Like, listen, I love the profits. I really do. What the fuck is the point of putting plexiglass up if we're yeah. going to go out in the crowd anyway? You know, that just doesn't make any sense. So I know they're probably setting up for a future with fans where there is plexiglass there, and that's fine. But when you have. The wrestler is interacting with the fans or whoever those people are supposed to be, it kind of defeats the purpose. So, and it feels like it's just a complete mess right now, and hopefully, it gets resolved soon, you know.
1: Like I said before, they just need to be like I said, just you even see on the news, this is all it's. I understand it sucks, and it is getting kind of over the top with the whole COVID stuff, and it, is, it does suck because, like you said, it's been going on for so long. so, now that all these states, especially down in Florida, I know that Florida's kind of lax back a little bit and stuff like that, I think people are being more negligent and just like, oh, now that things are opening up, I can just, just do whatever I want, and that's how probably talent are starting to get it now, and that's how someone just tests a buzz, because I think now people are more likely to go out and kind of socialize more and stuff like that, and then someone gets, gets it, and then if they're not doing the right testing, then someone falls through the cracks, and then it can just affect the whole company, so... All in all, they should once they started doing, uh, like the with the talent in the in the like the fan zone, they should have been testing, and I mean they should be testing everyone once they, every time they come in. I mean it's a fucking billion dollar company; they can afford the test to make sure everyone's COVID free.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, it's concerning to hear what what they're doing, what they're not doing. I know it's certain sources, and some people might be embellishing; other people may not be. I mean, I completely understand, and and definitely can believe that they wouldn't be doing proper testing. I mean, this has been public knowledge for a while now, that they've only been doing temperature checks and not um not actually testing people, which which is one thing, but if no one, you know, whatever, but then, then, then someone actually gets it, and then you come to find out that all these wrestlers are in the audience, and they're six feet apart, but you never know. There's so many people there that you never know what might happen, so... We'll see. Um, there was a report that they might be, I mean, the timing of this report couldn't be any worse coming off what happened on Monday um, with this all COVID you know, nonsense going on with, it, with the company. Um, but there was a report indicating that the company might be eyeing a return to live events as early as September. Do you see that happening, or do you think it might be a little later than that?
1: I think it's going to be a little bit later than that. It seems like this isn't going away anytime soon. So, I mean, they might have had some ideas about doing it sometime soon, but I don't think that's going to happen I would say in the 1st April future.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot later than September. I mean, again, I would love to see fans back in the building, but as long as it's safe. So um, after what happened this past week, I think they're quite a ways from that happening. But uh, off into a lighter subject, on on a brighter note, so to speak, um, I I do want to talk about the Undertaker documentary, um, part four that aired on Sunday, The Battle Within, another great episode. It's kind of the same thing now where Taker's like, oh, I think this might be it, I'm done. And then he's not, you know, that doesn't really come as much of a surprise at this point. But the footage that we see of him, you know, early on in his career, in recent years, work working the Goldberg match, which was a fucking disaster, Um, him missing WrestleMania, you know, for us specifically having been there and him not being on the show, then he was on Raw the next night um you know it was just a, a very cool episode to see what was going through his head the redemption match at, at extreme rules and then he said i'm done vince i'm done and then he comes back for wrestlemania 36 so um the whole thing was great but what was your initial reaction and thoughts to the episode rj i thought it was a good episode like you said it's,
1: it's kind of getting to the point now like every match he's had he's like am i done am i gonna have another match but after those two Saudi matches i mean can on those notes they both were poopers but uh um, it was nice to see like you said get some redemption after with the Extreme Rules match um but it's definitely been a good series it just it's just kind of sad to see kind of the struggle that he has of when's it time to finally hang it up like I feel like he's kind of been in a crossroads for a while just like is this the time I do it and like you said after Extreme Rules he said he was done but then came back again so um Interesting to see how the last episode ends. It sounds like it's probably going to be the Boneyard match between him and AJ, which, I mean, I really enjoyed. So we'll see if that's kind of his last match and he'll kind of retire at the end of the documentary. But so far, it's so good. Definitely check it out. But um, it's kind of sad just to see kind of the state that he's in. It's kind of like Ric Flair-esque, like just can't figure out when it's time to hang it up. I mean, he needed the money, so that's why he went to TNA. but, But besides that, I just... I think this episode, just like Shawn Michaels was saying, like how Taker now said, like I should have left when you did. Like that was so that was ten years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really holding on to this, and just I don't know. I, I think I'm hoping that if he not if WrestleMania Thirty Six wasn't his last match, then he just doesn't. It's more cinematic stuff. Like I don't want to see him in like an actual match, and I just I feel like it could be bad, and then just keep going in the same kind of rotation of him having a bad match and trying to redeem himself and then yeah whoever knows what's going to happen but definitely definitely worth we'll check
0: out yeah an endless cycle um of just him repeating you know repeating himself redeeming himself and it just never ends a uh, never ending cycle but uh yeah no i thought it was great very rick flair-esque i'll definitely agree with you there um if you watch the 24 on rick flair you'll you'll see why i mean you know the rick flair story you watch the espn special it very much reminds me of that but yeah no i thought it was very good and the, the Shawn Michaels stuff was interesting. I think it was Michaels himself, or maybe it was Mick Foley, who talked about how addicting it was. Unless you're in the business, you don't really know how addicting that energy that you get from the audience is. So I completely get that. I mean, I'm not a wrestler myself, but I can understand that. Um, I will ask this, though. So you talked about his last match. His last match, it was great. It got a lot of great feedback. It seemed like he was happy with it. Um, it was very well done. But it wasn't in front of a live audience do you think he may want to have one final match or whatever in front of an actual crowd before he bows out? Um, or do you think that he might be just content with wrapping it up at that AJ Styles-Boneyard match at Mania?
1: Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I feel like they kind of teased at least on Money in the Bank, like possibly another AJ-Undertaker match. So um, I think that would be a great... I think if, if, if he's going to have one actual last match, I, I would want it with AJ. I think that's the best person you could have it with. Um, it's kind of his farewell because AJ's so good. So, if he wants to have one more match in front of a crowd, I I would do him and AJ again. I think AJ could carry him to a really good match, and they could tell a good story as well. So, I hope it's AJ. But if not, I I would just I would just retire after the Boneyard match because it it was such a it came off so well that I I don't think risking it to face like another legend or someone else is worth it unless you're facing. Like I said, like AJ Styles, just pretty much the modern day Shawn Michaels. So
0: yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, that was my next question too. So with AJ, and I said this last week that with him being the new Intercontinental Champion, what I want to see not that again if he, if he says next week on episode five the. Series finale that he's done i'm content because like you said, I think that match was so well done It was the perfect finale if it was intended to be one for the taker persona It was it was very good him You know throwing the fist up in the air on the motorcycle with the fire and his logo popping up. It was awesome But if he does have one more match What I would do and I want to get your thoughts on this aj last friday won the intercontinental championship taker has never held the Intercontinental Championship. I don't think he gives give us a shit about becoming a Triple Crown Champion, but he's also never held the Intercontinental Championship. AJ, you have him hold the belt for the next five, six months. You know, SmackDown, their roster is growing. They have Matt Riddle there. I don't know if he should beat Matt Riddle, um, but maybe he's the one to beat AJ for it, ultimately. Um, but Matt Riddle's there. They have Chad Gable. Gable and AJ would be awesome. They can continue the Bryan feud. Hardy and AJ at one point would be cool. All road should lead, in my opinion to AJ and Taker for the Intercontinental Championship, make that title mean something, for Taker's final match. We don't know what's his final match. They don't say that. But it happens at Survivor Series. Assuming they have fans, which, I mean, I think they, and hopefully by then they should, they will, but I don't know that for a fact. I'm not saying usher in fans for the sake of this moment, but it would be cool if they do. Because this Survivor Series marks exactly 30 years to the day since Survivor Series 2000, or rather 1990, To the day since he retired... I'm sorry, debuted. I'm all over the place. Debuted at Survivor Series 90. So, do the match. AJ wins. Taker loses on his way out. Doesn't lose at Mania. I kind of like that. So he doesn't have to go, like... Endure three losses at Mania. After going undefeated for, like, 20 years. Um, So, he loses... AJ wins. He gets his win back. AJ still the champion. Taker loses in his final match on the exact 30-year anniversary. And that's it. That's a swan song. Um, if it's not him, I, I really can't think of anyone else. So uh, would you like to see something along those lines as well?
1: Hashtag book it, babe. It sounds good.
0: <laughs> Hashtag book it. AJ gets a big win. He feels like a star. And uh, I think that'd be great. Speaking of AJ, real quickly, forgot to mention this. There was another report coming out of the Heyman creative change this past week that AJ was not a fan of Paul Heyman. I don't know if it was a politic thing, uh, whatever, because I know AJ has this, like, flat-earth mentality type thing. Maybe it was in regards to that. Either way, um, I guess AJ had some heat, reportedly, with Paul Heyman, and that's why he was moved over to SmackDown. Now, it doesn't matter, because Heyman's no longer in charge, so it doesn't even matter. But AJ's always done better on SmackDown. He was on Raw for a year. He was United States champion for a time, didn't really do much with it. Um, he, his run on Raw was fine, but it wasn't great by any means. Didn't have many great matches. Um, you know, with with Rollins, some of the Ricochet matches were good. Beyond that, wasn't, you know, he, he has lost in every pay-per-view that he's been a part of since, like, October. So I can believe that report 100%. Um, do you find these reports to have any credibility whatsoever in your thoughts on AJ moving back to SmackDown, where I think he belongs?
1: I mean, it's definitely possible. I think, not that he was... Not used correctly, but like you said, he had a United States title run, but kind of deemed pointless. I mean, he didn't really do much for him. didn't do anything for the belt. Um, Did that feud with Undertaker, and then kind of since then he kind of was just there. He was on Raw, but wasn't really that big of a focus. And, I mean, he's a main event guy. I mean, I'm glad to see that he won the Intercontinental Championship in a great match with Daniel Bryan. And, like you said, I think he he works better on SmackDowns. Uh place that like AJ Styles built, SmackDown Live. I mean, I th- I think it, when they did the brand split, he was the perfect person to put on SmackDown, and I and I actually really like him on SmackDown. So um, I'm glad with the move, and even though Bruce Prichard's writing both shows not, I would still want AJ on SmackDown.
0: I agree. Um, would you say that the Brian AJ match from SmackDown last week was maybe your favorite or best match in the empty arena um, era of WWE in the last couple of months? Easily. Easily. Would be, what, what would you say is your favorite match of 2020 so far? Would it be that or something else?
1: Um, it was a really great match. Um, I really like this year's Royal Rumble. So I mean, that's, I agree. That would definitely be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucks and
0: yeah. um Omega and Page was amazing too. I don't know if you would. I, it's not the greatest match in the in the you know history of the country or the or the tag team match. Whatever the hell they said. Um, I don't agree with that. But that was a great tag match, team match too. of
1: all time. Get it right, buddy. <laughs>
0: wasn't in the Tokyo Dome, it doesn't count.
1: I was literally what to say it didn't happen in Japan, so I'm not <laughs> sure about that. But yeah, I would definitely say it's up there with the Rumble for me. I mean, I really did enjoy the Rumble, and I think that match at SmackDown was, was really, really good.
0: Talking about brand changes, it was reported earlier that Mustafa Ali quietly changing brands. Uh, nothing official, it was from PW Insider, they're pretty spot on with that type of stuff. Um, they're not, you know, fake news or whatever. So I, I, I read that. It's not official. It's not, you know, official as of WWE.com or whatever. Um, so it does seem to be legit, though, if it's coming from them. That being said, we haven't seen Ali on the show since fucking December, dude. Since December, okay? They've been teasing. Not not him specifically, but it seemed like the hacker thing would be Ali. With the whole a light thing on his wrist or on his arm. Why the hell else would they keep Ali off the show for six fucking months if they weren't going to bring him back? Um, as part of this hacker gimmick, which we have not seen play out on SmackDown in some time. So what are your thoughts on the hacker gimmick apparently being uh, just botched? And it wasn't like, you know, it was a Heyman idea, P- uh, Pritchard takes over, and then they just drop it. It was a Pritchard thing! It was already on SmackDown. They haven't followed up on it. We've heard nothing about it. And now Ali might be going to Raw. What, what's going on with Ali and this whole hacker bullshit?
1: Honestly, who knows? But I think going to Raw is the wrong move for him. Um... SmackDown, I feel like has done better at least when they did the initial brand split, up pushing younger stars and newer faces. So, I mean, if any, it wouldn't if he was ever going to get over or become someone of a big deal, I think would have been on SmackDown on Raw. The show's starting to become a mess a little bit. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to take five minutes out of their time to put Ollie on the show. So, um, definitely going to be interesting. Hopefully, they kind of go back to the hacker gimmick because I think it was a pretty good idea. Um, but I, I think the pastures aren't as green on Raw than they were would have been on SmackDown for him.
0: Yeah, I just feel like there's more of an opportunity for him to do better on SmackDown. we've seen. Chad Gable get some more time on the Blue Brand, win some matches lately. You know, Nakamura's over there, Cesaro's over there, AJ, Matt Riddle, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak. They have a very good roster, although the show creatively isn't great. Um, it's been improving lately. They have a great roster. Raw has a great roster, too. Don't get me wrong. But look no further than Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, who, you know, got pushes, lost to AJ, and never got those wins back. And then, you know, we don't see him again. So, uh, it, they've been in attack team. I'll say that much. And they've been on fucking main event for the last two or three months. I don't see Ali being any different. I don't see Ali beating Apollo Crews to the US Championship or doing God knows what. So, I agree. I think that's a dumb move. Um, so we'll move in to the remainder of the show here on a Backlash and Raw um, Backlash overall kind of a middle of the road show certainly not the greatest uh, not, not the greatest show as um, Barnum and Bailey would say for the circus the greatest showman movie which love to see the song represented the Backlash it's a great song the uh, cover by uh, who's it by fucking um, Jesus Christ God what's the name of that band it's gonna bother me now um, God damn it I got nothing for you. Oh, man. Okay, you know what? It's going to bother me, so I'm looking it up as we speak. Greatest Showman cover. I know what the band is. I just don't remember off the top of my head. It wasn't in the movie. Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco. Um, did the cover for <laughs> Greatest Showman, the theme song for the pay-per-view. But it was a middle-of-the-road show. It was an all-right show with a great main event, kind of a lackluster undercard, and one terrible, 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 terrible cinematic match if you can even call it that, between the (laughs) Prophets and the Viking Raiders, uh, just fucking terrible, dude. I I really don't know what else to say. Have the cinematic shit, have the cinematic matches officially jumped the shark at this point for WWE coming off that atrocity that we witnessed on Sunday?
1: Yeah, that was fucking terrible. (laughs) I mean, well, I remember, (laughs) I don't think what was before that, Drew and Bobby, so I'm like, all right, that was a a really good match. I enjoyed that. And then all of a sudden they start doing this shit and I'm like, is this like, It's, like, literally, like, who booked this shit? Like, Mm -hmm. no idea what the fuck's going on. Just a big clusterfuck trying to be funny, and it wasn't funny at all, and just, like, was long as shit. I'm like, this company, for all the good things they do, just push out this bullshit, (laughs) and then they get it again on Raw. I'm like, dude, no one cares.
0: It was bad. The funny thing is that, like you said, it didn't work the first time, so let's do it again on Raw in, like, We've said it before. I'm not shitting on the on on the contest they've had. I've said it here on the show. You said the same thing. The the basketball stuff, um, you know, axe throwing, golf, bowling, decathlon, very hit or miss. I've enjoyed the feud. I think I, I think it's cool. They're trying something different. The whole sports entertainment approach. I like it. But this was not entertainment. This was not sports. This was just fucking terrible. It was trash. It was exactly where they ended up at the end of this segment. Was in the garbage. That's where it belonged. Um, I, I was honestly not even joking you dude I was half expecting a Zawa to show up saying I choppy choppy your PP," because I, <laughs> you know with the whole ninja bullshit it was just uh oh, man what the fuck and they also teased on Raw Talk that Big Show wants a piece of the, of the, of the um, ninja of the big ninja what the fuck what, what's going on here
1: <laughs> who knows Once just Big Show I fucking threw my hands up so there
0: we go. <laughs> that was the cherry on top of a shit sandwich
1: <laughs> like
0: big show. Like,
1: the biggest issue is like these guys. Just who gives a shit? That's my biggest issue with the whole thing. Who gives a fucking shit?
0: Who gives a fucking shit? I mean, again, those titles are completely pointless at this point. Why would they expect us to care about a tag team title match next weekend? Raw coming off of this trash, I this blows my mind. But on the bright side, again, not a completely bad show. I saw people saying, "Oh, this was a terrible show." Other than that, I mean, it really wasn't. Um, the undercard, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with all your thoughts uh, when you texted me the other day. Um, I agree. I thought Asuka and Nia Jax was meh. The Raw match was better. I just don't care to see Nia in the title picture at all. The women's tag team title match was good. Um, it wasn't great by any means. Right result. It was a fine match. The Strowman, Miz, and Morrison shit was exactly what you would expect. Um, exactly what you would expect. A complete waste of time, but whatever. The music <coughs> video was fire, though. The music video was fire. I will say that much.
1: I laughed at the music video. I thought it was pretty funny. Corey Grace said it was like the second best music video behind Thriller. I actually like popped out loud. <laughs> laughing.
0: I need well, that on Spotify along with the Io Shirai theme song now too.
1: Exactly. But I don't know. Like I said to you, I texted you yesterday before. I just, they don't book Strowman correctly. The guy's a fucking monster and he gets fucking little to no offense in most of his matches. He looks like a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. I know they booked him as a loser for so long, but I mean, the guy's a fucking champion. Like... Make him look like a fucking beast. Like he shouldn't be struggling to beat up the Miz and Morrison. I, don't, I I don't know. Like they need they need to book him better. He just he's like a monster. That's like it's like looks like Tarzan but acts like Jane. That's literally the the best example I could give you. Mm-hmm. Like he looks the part, but he just like doesn't do it. It's just the weirdest thing ever.
0: They're teasing a Firefly Funhouse for Friday SmackDown. Do you think we get Fiend and Strowman at Extreme Rules the next month?
1: Um, I I would hold off until SummerSlam, but I mean. It's not like his world title reigns really lit the world on fire. I mean, they're doing fucking stupid handicap matches with the guy. So <laughs> I would wait till SummerSlam, maybe have him face, I don't know, Miz or Morrison again, I guess. Not that I really give a shit, but besides that, maybe Sheamus. But I don't want to be a throwaway with Sheamus. So I would just do either Miz or Morrison again and then do Wyatt at uh, SummerSlam.
0: It teased some tension here with Miz and Morrison um, after Morrison pinched Stroman, Miz pulled them off. Is it too soon for them to be breaking up as a tag team?
1: They barely have any tag teams as it is. I, <laughs> I wouldn't break them up yet. I mean, they, the Forgotten Sons have been officially forgotten, and <laughs> what they have, fucking the New Day? Like, they don't really have anyone else, really, so. And heavy machinery, but Otis is doing his own thing, so. I mean, I wouldn't break them up, but who knows.
0: So speaking of Extreme Rules, uh, Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy on the show. Good match. I thought it was a good match. Hardy losing was the right call to kind of further the feud. Um, Do you see a rubber match taking place at Extreme Rules? And if you had to choose, what would the stipulation be?
1: Jesus. Um, I would do the match at at Extreme Rules. Maybe like false count anywhere. I mean, I think that would be pretty cool with Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. I mean, besides that, I can't really think of anything.
0: Do you remember the Hardy Umaga Falls Gun Anywhere match from Extreme Rules like loved a decade it. ago? I loved it. Very loved good it. match. What did the, uh, the Swaniton?
1: Swan
0: oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then he did like the slide down the railing. Mm-hmm. Pretty
0: cool. Yeah, so. and the stairwell, that was sick. And it is. They... <laughs> The best part about that, it's that one night stand away that people want to watch it. When he did the Swanton off the top of the production truck and he hit Umaga, it's you can see the fucking mat off the side. when they go to show Hardy pinning Umaga. It's like, come on, dude. If you want to do that, just, you know, it's like a cinematic match. Just, just you know, do a delay in the pinfall. Show him pinning Umaga, but get the mat out of the way first. Don't show it right there. Like we know it's not real, but you can at least attempt to make it look real. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's yeah, so exactly. Like
1: we know it's <laughs> screwy, but like at least make it look better than that. Yeah, exactly. Out, so I don't know why they did it like that, but yeah.
0: you know, it was... I don't know. It's a great match, though. Great show. People want to check it out. Um, I I was hoping you would say urine on a pole match. I mean, come on, you're a big Vince Russo fan. Why wouldn't we want to see a urine on a pole match? Urine sample on a pole after what happened on SmackDown last week.
1: I was thinking of something really stupid like that, but I couldn't even get myself to say that, so.
0: What's worse, that or the Kiss My Arse match from Extreme Rules a couple of years ago with Sheamus and now Ziggler?
1: The Kiss My Arse match was just stupid. It's just a stupid fucking gimmick match. So I,
0: dumb. I think the the worst part about that was that Ziggler won, and then they had they didn't even deliver on the stipulation. Not that they want to see anyone's ass get kicked, or get kissed, rather, but like they you promote a stipulation. They didn't even do it. So like, what was the point? It, almost as bad as when, um, what's his name, uh, Sylvester LaFort lost the hair match at Takeover Fatal Four Way, and then it was the other guy whose head got shaved. Like, what's even the point? You know what I mean? Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's like a
1: bait switch. It's like they the, they eventually get to the stipulation, but it's not the person. That loss that got, like, the comeuppance, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just makes no sense. But on the bright side, like you said earlier, I did like the main event. I did like McIntyre and Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. I thought they worked well together. Um, I saw a report recently from the other day that indicated that McIntyre and Lashley actually wanted to work together, which would make sense. Um, They had a feud over in TNA. Lashley actually beat McIntyre to win the TNA Championship at their Slamversary show a couple, of, a couple of years ago, back in, like, like 2016 or something like that. But, um... Yeah, I thought this was a good match. Lashley looking good in defeat. Not a fan of the finish, but, you know, protects him. You know, uh, blames Lana for the loss. They divorce. Are oh, you yeah, glad as I am that this shit with Lana and Lashley is seemingly over now, finally? Thank
1: God. I remember we were at the fucking wedding and it was a fucking dumpster fire. <laughs> I mean, that whole thing. Like, what was the, the issue with the stuff like down? We've discussed this all the time. Like, what? What for WWE? What was the end game for that? (laughs) No end game. That's the issue. Like a lot of things they do, like there's no end game. There's no reason to do it. They just like let's have a wedding and make it a shit show. So let's just do it. Like that's my biggest issue with that is they put so much time and effort into that fucking stupid ass storyline and it went nowhere.
0: The issue was that the guy that got over from that Rusev got released right afterwards. So like again, what was even the point? I know that wasn't the goal. That was kind of an accident. And then he got you know paid for it by getting released. But uh, man, it was so bad, so bad. But this match was great. Uh, what were your thoughts on McIntyre and Lashley at the pay-per-view?
1: I really enjoyed. it. I thought it was a good match. Um, I think I think it was booked correctly. It looked good. The ending was a little screwy, but I'm glad it finally broke up Lana and fucking and and uh, Lashley. So I can't complain.
0: Do you think we get Lashley and McIntyre again in the next pay per view, or do you think the mixed, ta- mixed tag team match, the, the, the tag team match that we got in Raw the next night, with McIntyre retaining his title against Lashley and MVP, was kind of the end of that feud for right now?
1: Um, we'll see. I, I would continue, I would do it again. I thought the match was good enough, and I think they have enough chemistry. That's definitely worth it. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think Bobby's taking the title off him. I think they should have waited a little longer to build Bobby up even more, but. We'll see what happens. I I think it's worth doing at Extreme Rules. Then, not really sure what you do with them on, at SummerSlam, but they can figure something out.
0: No, I agree. Um, I do think we are getting Orton in the championship picture. Um, either at Extreme, probably at Extreme Rules. Um, just coming off his victory on this show. What happened on Raw? And I I would save that for SummerSlam personally. Um, but it looks like they might be going to it next month. The issue with that is that Extreme Rules should be all about you know feuds being blown off, Extreme Rules matches, whatever. Like, again, I hate Nia being in the title picture, but I could see them doing another match with her and Asuka where they build a stip match at the pay-per-view, as opposed to doing Charlotte and Asuka in, like, a ladder match, which I guess you could do just because they have history. But, like, Orton and McIntyre, why would you have that be an Extreme Rules match when they're just starting now? It seems like, I don't know if... Maybe I missed something. I thought Orton mentioned something about being, about being the WWE Champion on Raw this week. Maybe I'm just making shit up or I was hearing things, but I feel like it's only inevitable before we get Orton and McIntyre for the championship, right?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think, like, now that you said Orton, I kind of was thinking about who you'd have him face. But like, or- Orton coming off that big win, Edges hurt. Um, I-, I think that kind of makes sense, but I, I also don't see Orton, eh, I mean, he's doing probably his best work in a while, so I wouldn't hate a Randy Orton title-, title run right now, but I think Drew is the hot hand, so I would definitely keep it on Drew longer, but, um, Orton has been doing well, so I, I wouldn't hate Orton and uh, Drew at SummerSlam.
0: So speaking of Orton, we had the main event of Backlash, the greatest wrestling match ever, as WWE called it. Didn't exactly live up to the billing; it was never going to. Um, but I honestly thought this exceeded my expectations. I was expecting a good match, especially coming off the WrestleMania match, which was kind of disappointing. They went out there and had a really, really good match. Um, I would have shaved off a couple minutes. The thing with this match was that I'm not going to sit here and say it was as boring as the Mania match. It was as long, if not longer, than what we got at Mania, yet it was much better. Um, I don't know if that's because they weren't brawling for 45 minutes around the entire PC doing nothing, um, but this was more interesting. You had fans, obviously. It just worked. Um, I thought it was a really good match. It never felt like 45 minutes. Uh, I, you know, I, Again, we watched it on delay. I saw that it started at 2.10 like, the two-hour and ten-minute mark, and that there were three hours and uh, five minutes on the show. So I'm like, oh, my God, how long is this thing going to last? But they actually did a very good job, and I thought the -the over-the-top introductions were great, with, like, the lights going out, Howard Finkel, you know, in-ring introductions, although you couldn't see him because he died. Um, But the whole thing was really good. I I really enjoyed it, and I thought the match itself was uh, excellent. One of the better matches in this empty arena era. Not better than AJ and Daniel from SmackDown, mind you, but still very, very good. Uh, so, yeah. what, what were your thoughts, RG? Did it, was it as great of a match as they were making it out to be, or was it just a, you know, what, what were your thoughts on the match? I
1: thought it was a really good match. Like you said, I think the billing of it, like, they were never going to reach that, but I think the effort they put in, it didn't drag as much as that fucking that street fight did at WrestleMania. I mean, that match felt like it was taking fucking an hour, <laughs> for Christ's sakes. But, no, this match is really good. I like the way that they paced it out and the different kind of camera angles they took and kind of just, like, the different stories they told throughout the match and Randy talking shit. I thought that was great. Um, The pun at the end was fucking amazing. I mean, no complaints here. Sad to see Edge get hurt, but uh, Edge, I think Orange kind of do it. Like I said earlier, he's kind of doing his best work in a while. So it's great to see Randy kind of picking up where he used to be. I mean, not that he really fell off. I just feel like they haven't really utilized him too well in the last couple of years. So it's great to see him back as a heel and just kind of being like, that dickhead that you want
0: to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought the the finishers were a bit overdone. Not that he hit like seven RKO's, but like the rock bottom and the pedigree. Like, eh, okay, you don't really need to do every finisher in the book, you know? Um, yeah. I, I liked how they had a nod to Eddie and to Flair and Steamboat with the chops. The pedigree, it was like, uh, the rock bottom was just dumb. Like, come on, dude, that just looks ridiculous. But otherwise, it was really well done. I could see what they were going for. It was cool. Um, good match. I like the... Was he going for the RKO? They did like a nod to Christian. The kill switch was cool. The unpretty or whatever. Which dude? It broke my heart when we were watching the match. Um, Alexis and I. She goes, "Oh, isn't that Chelsea Green's finisher?" She doesn't really know much about Christian, so she associates <laughs> that move with Chelsea Green. It broke my fucking heart. I go, "Dude, yeah, it is, but she does it terribly. Oh my god, she, the way that she does it, she has, she doesn't even have the person's head go face first. She does it a reverse like neckbreaker, and she like jumps up in the air, and it looks terrible." <laughs> Terrible. Oh, my God. Go go look it up when you're done here. She hit it on it or someone.
1: It's not good. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's oh, so God. Fun, it's a fucking
0: it's shit f- fest. I anyway. I
1: think it's funny how Alexis said "Isn't that Chelsea
0: Green's finish. It, it <laughs> hurt my heart to hear that. It really did. Really did. But anyway, this was great. Um, edge hurt. Edge might be out for a little while. Torn triceps. Um, won't be back for a bit, I would assume. When he comes back, do you want to see the feud continue? I mean, this has been great, but I think it's time to move on. The guy only has so many years left in him on this contract, and um, then they should just move on. I know a rubber match would make sense, but eh, how can you really top the greatest wrestling match ever? Um, and if they don't continue it, who else would you want to see Edge work with?
1: Hmm, I wouldn't. I, like you said, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rehash it. Like you said, he he's on limited time and. I mean, I don't want his return to just be facing fucking veterans all the time. So, hopefully I move on. I would like to see him and Seth. I think him and Seth would be good. Um, him and Drew, maybe. But I, I would focus him on with with newer guys, up-and-comers, or kind of newer stars than just him versus Randy Orton and fucking Triple H and kind of all these dinosaurs that he's already faced before. So, I, I would feature new guys. But if I had to say anyone off the top of my head, I would say probably uh, probably Seth.
0: It reminds me of when Brock came back in 2012 and he had that great mini-feud with Cena in 2012. And then, like, the next night, they kicked off Brock and Triple H. They literally spent the next year feuding. Like, what a waste. Like, one match is fine, two I kind of get. Three was ridiculous. And the feud lasted over a year. Um, I don't want to see that with these two. They work well together. The feud has been great, but it's time to move on. Um, I think Rollins would make the most sense considering they have history from when Rollins almost threatened to kill the guy a number of years ago. Um, I've seen people say AJ... He's not on Raw anymore, so you'd have to move AJ, or rather, Edge over to SmackDown. Assuming we still have the brand split at that point. Um, but Edge and AJ would be sick. You no, know, there's there's a couple different options. There's a lot of people, actually. You know, Edge and McIntyre would be kind of cool if they do that at some point. Uh, maybe not Edge and Lesnar. Might be a bit, you know, reckless, but um, anyway. So, yeah, they, they have options. They have options. So, hopefully, Edge is back in the near future. Speaking of coming back, we had a uh, one more match from Christian on Raw this week. Not a name I was expecting to see. We did see him on Raw last week, but I never expected to see him in the ring again. Um, so he comes out, confronts Orton. Orton kind of bodes him into doing one more match unsanctioned because he's not technically medically cleared, and he accepted later on in the show. So obviously it wasn't really much of a match. It was more of an angle than anything with um, Orton, you know, hitting the, um, or, or rather Ric Flair coming out hitting the low blow. He's not managing Orton. I would rather just have Orton lay out Flair with the RKO, too, uh, just to show that he's a piece of shit. But I guess they didn't want to take away from the Christian thing, so I get it. Um, Orton doing the punt once again. Love that the punt is back. Kicks Christian right in the head. Clearly, Christian took zero bumps, so I really do think he's actually done and that he's not medically cleared, which is why they did what they did here. And Orton goes over in a matter of a minute and um, you know puts Christian at the pasture. I thought this was easily... The best thing on Raw all night, kind of teasing what Christian would do, will he, won't he, and then the reveal, and then he gets one final match, finally. Doesn't just kind of ride off into the sunset quietly like he did six years ago. He got an official last match, and I thought it was really well done. So uh, what were your thoughts, RJ, on the whole Christian Orton saga on Raw this week?
1: It was definitely the best thing on the show. It was nice to see Christian back, and like you said, like the whole angle they ran. Don't really get why Flair had any involvement. It's just kind of random. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think it would have been nice if after he punted Christian, he fucking RKO'd Ric Flair as well. Like you said, just to just to prove he's a fucking piece of shit and just make people hate him even more. But I I think it was very well done. Like you said, just, it's kind of like I said, Randy's been doing great work lately, and I uh, I think it just kind of helps him solidify it. Just like you said, as a fucking dickhead, and he's he's definitely the best heel right now in the, on the in the company. So I mean, get more heat on the guy. Maybe next week he punches Ric Flair in the head or. RKO Charlotte, I don't know. Do something. Yeah. Punch Charlotte in the head. I mean, I honestly, <laughs> don't give a shit. I would love that, so that would be good shit. So um, we'll see what happens, but I just want them to keep portraying him as like a fucking conniving dick.
0: Punch Charlotte in the punch, head, he says. Punch,
1: punch Charlotte in the head. Oh,
0: punch, even better. Punch Charlotte in, to the
1: be in the head. She wants to face the man. okay. Give her a nice punch in the head.
0: Hey, listen, I think... I think that would lead her... I think that would lead him to getting cheered more than anything. So I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> that's possible. Anyway. Um, no, I thought this was great. I really like that. Yeah, just keep on having him do, you know, sinister shit. I thought this was awesome. He is doing great work right now. Probably the best work he's done. God, I mean, when he was a face early on, he was white hot. I mean, like in early 2010, when he first won that championship, like in Chicago, Night of Champions, I watched the shows. That's how I remember uh the guy was really popular. But before that I would have to go back to like oh nine, when he was feuding with the McMahons and yeah, we had seen him in Triple H before, but no one really cared because he was like RKOing Stephanie, like made out with her on and like when she was knocked out. You know, he punted Shane, he punted Vince and it was great. It was it was really well done. And I think that was over a decade ago, so he didn't really the authority shit was bad. Um, in the Wyatt feud, like, actually, you know what, the, the Wyatt stuff early on was really well done when he first joined them, him and the Wyatt family was great, and then it took a turn for the worst, as soon as he turned on Wyatt, he burned down his house and turned into a complete asshole, um, even though he was a babyface still, and he had the gender matches, oh, God, that was terrible, um, but anyway, so yeah, this is, this has been great work from Orton, I'm hoping to see him, you know, I don't, I don't want to see him back in the WWE title picture, but it does make sense, And him and McIntyre would be great. So maybe he doesn't win the title, per se. I don't want to see McIntyre lose to Orton, of all people. But you never know. So anyway, I thought that was really good. Also on Raw, um, real quickly as we wind down, uh, Andrade uh, and Angel Garza have been teasing tension for a while now. Doesn't seem like they're going down that route anymore. So Owens beats Garza, and Zelina Vega got pissed at both of them. And then she confronts both of them afterward and said, Listen, if you don't want to you know, get along, I you won't be with me or something. So they kind of teased that they might be becoming a tag team, like a full-on tag team. Theory was originally teaming with Garza, and then he went off and did his own thing with Rollins, which is a good fit. Um, do you think we're getting an Andrade, uh, Angel Garza tag team out of this, RJ?
1: It's possible. They need more tag teams, so I wouldn't hate the idea. Um, they really didn't book Andrade as well as a, united states champion so don't really want to see him going for that belt anytime soon so i think a tag team right now would be good kind of give andrade something new to do and kind of get them back on the same page and eventually break them up and you could probably do a decent feud out of that if you built them as a tag team pretty well so i think that's the right direction to go into a tag team maybe give those belt wear those belts that are useless but i mean eventually do a break up and have it mean something so and it doesn't even have to be over a title, so something the company needs a lot of nowadays is feuds that mean shit without a title involved. So mm-hmm. I would say have them a team, maybe win the titles for a while, break up eventually, and then just have a good feud over it.
0: I agree. I agree. It might be too soon to do the feud now. I know we were talking about that originally. Um, I like the idea, but having them team for a little while, you know, feud the Street Profits over the tag titles, maybe maybe they're the team, take those belts from the Profits, um, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, what were your thoughts on the progression of the Dominic Rollins mysterious storyline on Raw? Are you enjoying seeing Dominic uh, back on Raw?
1: I think it's a good feud, but they just make they just made Rollins and them look really stupid that a fucking kid just came out and just like got the upper hand on him. I mean, obviously Dominic's gonna the the way the story's going. Obviously Dominic has to get some kind of or the, the mysterious. I think it's some kind of wins over Rollins and them. But it's like he should just like hit Rollins and ran out, like, instead he was, like, running around, like, missing them, like, I don't know, didn't love that, but, I mean, I think the end game is going to be him and Ray versus probably Seth and Murphy, so we'll see what happens, it's definitely, I like both guys, so I've definitely been enticed by it, and I I think it's been good so far, so definitely see where it goes, um, couldn't tell you how good, I mean, we saw Dominic get killed by Lesnar, so no idea how good he is in the ring, but
0: we'll be (laughs) to
1: see what happens once they do, uh, Lace up the boots.
0: Yeah, we'll see. It it definitely looked like like a Three Stooges situation where there were like three guys and none of them can get Dominic. It's like, dude, he's not even a trained professional wrestler. Like, why is it taking so much effort to get this guy under control? Like, I know it's a wrestling thing, but it was kind of weird. A good segment overall, though. Dominic looks to be in great shape. I know he doesn't; he's not wearing gear or anything, but he looks even better than he did nine months ago. So he's clearly been training, which is cool. Looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. And I know it's something Mysterio has always wanted, so him and his son teaming up against Rollins and one of his goons uh, should be good shit, so I'm looking forward to that. Maybe either at Extreme Rules, SummerSlam, we'll see. I want to see a rollins Mysterio one one-on-one match at some point. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. But the tag team match is only inevitable, so uh, yeah, I thought it was good too. And that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau. Actually, one more thing I completely forgot to ask you about. Um, MVP. Seemed to be recruiting new members on Monday. He, you know, reached out to the Prophets a couple weeks ago. They said no. Doesn't look like that's happening. He did reach out to Apollo Cruz. And that's worth noting because there were rumors about a month or two ago that Apollo might be turning heel soon. Now that he said no, and then he cheated to beat Shelton Benjamin. And if it, it you have to cheat to beat Shelton Benjamin, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you, but like I don't know if that's a heel turn or if it's teasing heel turn. And then MVP reached out to Benjamin about him joining their ranks. Um after raw, and like a backstage video type shit. It's on their YouTube channel. and Benjamin didn't reply didn't respond, didn't reply. but he could also be joining Lashley and MVP too, which I like a lot. They're all from the same era. You know, Benjamin and MVP have chemistry, they have history. I like that. utilize MVP or uh, utilize Benjamin in that role. Um I think that'd be cool. So um yeah, what what do you think? Do you think Cruz could be joining them soon? Shelton Benjamin, someone else maybe uh, with Lashley and MVP? I think Cruz
1: would make more sense. Like Benjamin at this point's kinda I mean, he's done at this point. He's kinda just basically the enhancement talent they use now just to give someone a nice win. So I, I think Cruz would be better. Um I think they could utilize him more. Sheldon, I, I just, even if he's with them I just don't see him doing anything. So it's just like getting him on the show and getting him airtime just, just, just because he's assigned with this group, I don't think it's actually gonna go anywhere.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think think he still has a lot left to offer, so I wouldn't mind the move. Um, But Cruz being with them as well is pretty cool, Um, as long as they, you know, book it properly and uh, he's not overshadowed by Lashley or whatever. And Cruz and Lashley is a full-fledged feud at some point. Could be a lot of fun as well, so... uh We'll see. There's a lot to like right now, a lot to not like uh, between the two shows and beyond. Uh, I know there were no NXT Dynamite Talk this week. We'll probably get back to it next week. Uh, we're recording this in advance ahead of tonight's shows. So uh, we'll get more to Dynamite and NXT Talk next week here on WrestleRant Radio. So, Mr. Marceau, this has been great as always. People can check out all the other episodes that we've done of the show um, right here on uh, you know nextdaywrestling.net iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, so people can uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Check out WrestleRantRadio.com as well for more information. People can find you, Mr. Marceau, on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau for your wrestling ramblings and beyond, and me as well on uh, on Twitter at WrestleRant. So, Mr. Marceau, great time as always. The time always flies by, and uh, enjoy the race this week, and I'll catch your ass next week, sir.
1: Take care, Jason.
0: Adios, brother.